Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Rosa Parks Day, Joe. I would normally riff on this, but I think I'm going to skip it. Wait. No. Wait. Nope. Definitely some not riffing on that. days, some anniversaries are genuine and are worth observing. And I'm going to mix it up. That's how I roll. Coming up on today's show, it's our pop culture roundup with a legendary couch potato, everyone's favorite ginger. Can't call him a ginger C-word, still can't say that on this show. Neil Farrell is on the show today. There is not much to do except for watch shit and play poker, so why not get somebody who is great at both? One of the most entertaining poker players out there, so why not talk entertainment with him? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot. Yeah. It's been a while since we talked kind of movies and TV. We've been deliberately leaving it for a few weeks. So what? What did we decide the final agenda? Here's how I see it. Okay. Mandalorian. Yep. WandaVision. Yep. Wonder Woman. Yep. Soul. Yep. Tenet. Okay. Did you get to Tenet? I didn't get to Tenet. Oh, God, I wanted to talk Tenet with you so bad. I, I really want to see it. I've, I, it's partly self-inflicted because the time that I was meant to use to watch Tenet, I blew through the morning show, which, by the way, I think is excellent and is probably the most accurate depiction of the TV industry and certainly of the television news industry in many years. I started the morning show, and guess what? My girlfriend didn't like it, so we did not continue it. But I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, um, it's it's really powerful stuff and suitably nuanced, suitably serious and dark in places. But yeah, is the, it, it, there's a lot going on there where I'm like, yep. Well, if only that were something assigned for the show instead of Tenet. Anyway, maybe I can Sorry. talk Tenet with Neil. If Neil hasn't seen it, then I guess I will just have to keep it to myself. Or we might um, run out of time. We could run out of time, too, because look at how long this intro is. Um, not only <laughs> movies and TV shows this week. Uh, it was a busy weekend, actually. On Sunday, we had the premiere of Hank's Home Game, which led to a spectacular public fail from me uh, more on that in a bit and of course on monday we had the sunday million uh show we covered it slight recap of that coming up and finally this week's super fan is lisa scott gordon uh she is here to challenge me to a quiz on uh, victorian poetry or some shit i don't it's victorian literature and specifically a screen adaptation of a work of victorian literature it's uh, jane austen's persuasion the 2007 bbc version Okay, so I didn't read the book and I didn't I didn't watch the movie either. Okay, so well, we, we congratulations, Lisa. Well done. A movie we'll be week. sending you your prizes <laughs> after the conclusion of this show. So, look, there was a chance we were going to send her the prizes anyway, even if I had watched it. Yeah, that, that's probably true. Um, before we get Neil on the show, then let's quickly talk about uh, Sunday Million because we did stream it, as you said, Joe, on Monday night. It was the 50-50 series event. So these are 50 MTTs, all with a $50 buy-in. So for one week only, the Sunday Million was half price. It was $50. And that means it had a ridiculous number of entries. Yeah. And that means there was a long way to go before we could get down to a winner on Monday night. And it was a long ass stream. It was long, but pacey. Like it never felt like it was dragging on 
we started with a ton of players, uh, but there was still like a good amount of action uh, throughout. So it wasn't that bad. Also, the heads up was kind of fun. No, it was. The heads up was really awesome, actually. Really aggressive, but really good fun. And yeah, we've done a lot of streams recently with Nick. It was nice to be reminded of how good Spraggy is at this as well. Always fun hanging out with Ben and working with him on these streams. And I think judging by the comments I was seeing on Twitch and YouTube, the audience really appreciate both his personality and his analysis. Yeah, he was on fire. Like he really just, you know, he's got it all. Fuck him, honestly. <laughs> you say he's got everything, but, you know, as we established, the conservatory and anyway. Uh, the Sunday Million is going to run this weekend. Wasn't sure because the 50-50 series is on whether there would be a Sunday Million this weekend. Sometimes it takes a week off, but it's oh. going to be a $215 buy-in running wow. alongside the 50 50 series main event which is a, a 50 dollar buy-in and it's going to be a pko again so another special edition of the sunday million double the buy-in progressive knockout format and yeah we are going to be streaming that on monday the 8th which i'm guessing joe will be your last day of work before your enforced medical leave yeah look guys i realize my voice is in and out mostly out not sounding great i'm hoping uh, that'll be the last time you guys hear me with this horrible situation going on, but as you, as you, as we know with these things, they're not, um, they're not guaranteed. So uh, we, <laughs> let's hope that I run a little bit better in the surgery department than I do in the uh, uh, poker department. Uh, this past weekend, you know, the Sunday Million, we covered that uh, final table on Monday. Yeah. Uh, but on Sunday, I was actually watching poker, which I don't usually do on. I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday last week. Must have been, yeah, what doesn't matter. I got a press release from Poker Stars um, saying that Hank's home game was going to be premiering that weekend. And it had been a while since we recorded it. So I was excited for that. Yeah. And as you know, because I mention it every chance I get, I play <clears throat> with Mike Sarah um, on Thursdays. I used to play them on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Shout out to Club Quarantine, who banned Paul Schrader last week. Maybe can tell that story at some point. Not just yet. It's on Facebook and Twitter. You can find it. Um, Mike had been emailing me a ton about when is the show going to be uh, premiere. And so in our Thursday night home game, I was like, hey, guys, what do you say on Sunday? We all get up Sunday morning, get on YouTube and hop in the chat and we can watch it live and like chat with each other about Hang's home game. And Mike was like, oh, I'll, and I'll make like a fake screen name and we'll try to get the audience to talk shit about me. We'll try to okay. like say bad stuff about me. So Sunday morning I get up, I sleep in a little bit. It premieres at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. I get up at nine so I can tweet about it. I'm like, come join us. We're going to be in chat hanging out. Mike's emailing me, hey, are we still doing this? Yep. 10 o'clock rolls by. It hasn't come on yet. I'm like, yeah, it's probably just 10.03. It pops up. We're watching it. Turns out, no chat. No chat. Just YouTube comments. And you can't even refresh the comments without refreshing the page. Oh. So it's not even like live comments flying by. Right. It's just, and if you refresh the page, I know it's different depending where you're at. You have to watch a commercial. Oh God! So, so just to be clear, Joe, un, unlike a live stream on YouTube, yeah. which does have the live chat, 
this is a premiere, which effectively broadcasts just, it for the first time before it becomes a VOD, but doesn't have the chat option, just has the comments. I don't even know if it was a premiere. I think it was just the video got uploaded at 10 a.m. Right, I see. So I kind of misunderstood what was happening there. We didn't get to goof off in the comments of the chat. Mike and I emailed back and forth a little bit. If you guys haven't watched it yet, I think it's a fucking blast. Of course, you know, it's specifically the kind of shit I'm into. Um, and Mike loved it. Obviously, he loved it um, because he plays really well. I won't give away the results. But uh, his his three-word review at the end was, that was awesome. Oh, I'm glad he enjoyed it. I'm yeah, glad he enjoyed it. And, really and I think it's worth highlighting once again, because I know someone contacted you on Sunday, Joe, when you were promoting it. Um, for everyone in the UK, don't forget that there is a separate PokerStars YouTube yeah. channel for the United Kingdom, which now requires you to sign in. And this is for compliance reasons. So bear in mind, there are always going to be two links for everything. There's going to be one for the rest of the world. And there's always going to be a separate link for the UK. And then just sign in with your Gmail account and you'll be able to watch all the same stuff goes on there that's on the central channel. But it's worth remembering that uh, the UK is now compartmentalized. Well, look, as you brought up the subject of show business, entertainment, why don't we introduce this week's guest? Neil Farrell, welcome back to the podcast. It's been five years. Damn. The last time you came on the show... It was still called EPT Not Live, and you had just become a European Poker Tour champion. Oh, wow. Five years makes me feel really old. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. You know what might make you feel older is that I thought you had never been on the show. Oh, wow. I didn't remember you being on at all. I was like, yeah. how have we never had Neil Farrell on before? Turns out we have. God, yeah. I mean, you had to like, listen to it on your Walkman and stuff back in the day, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do vaguely remember being yeah. on it, yeah. It's back on the days when we record the show, have to put it out on cassette tape, and you'd have to kind of buy an individual copy from our price. Um, so how is life with you these days? I know it's weird for everyone, but taking the kind of wider weirdness out of the equation, how are things? Ugh, I mean, they're fine. It's just, you know, uh, I think it's the same as everyone. There's been a lot of tough times and a lot of kind of waves of, all right, we're going to cope. And then a wave of, oh my God, please fucking end me. Uh, and uh, other waves of like, oh, but we'll make it through and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I won't complain too much. I think, you know, I've, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. I've got a lot worse than I have. So, I mean, I've just been chilling in the house mostly. Um, my son just turned one last month. So that's been keeping us busy enough. Yeah. Stuff so uh, yeah, it's not been too bad. I have to say though, I wasn't, I didn't know this was going to be on camera today. I thought it was just a new voice, so I haven't shaved or anything. I'm just like, I look like me neither, pal. I look like the Rob, the Robin Williams meme. But this is the awesome thing, Neil. It doesn't (laughs) matter. It doesn't matter how unkempt you are because number one. Everyone has that kind of like lockdown look, right? But secondly, anytime you're positioned alongside Joe Stapleton, no one is going to be noticing. Your your kind of yeah, like fine. visage, they're going to be absolutely drawn to that. <laughs> it's kind of a similar kind of style we got going on. Here, yeah, it's it's basically um, you know fuck all <laughs> <laughs> grooming. Um, I got to know before we get into the entertainment stuff, what's Neil Farrell like as a dad? Oh, I man. mean, you're one at least were one of the oldest children I've ever met. <laughs> mm-hmm. I still am. Uh, I'm very lucky that uh, my partner is very 
Yeah, very good. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> right. But, um, I think I'm getting better. But at the start, it was kind of a bit overwhelming. You know, I wasn't. You know, it's uh, it wasn't really something that I would put myself forward to be one of the best <laughs> in the world. But uh, ach, I mean, a year in, you know, you get used to it, and you know, it's just kind of normal now. And the wee man's hilarious and stuff like that. Now he's not just a kid. he's running about and causing trouble. Now he's not just this little bundle of poo and tears and stuff anymore so it's getting uh it's getting quite fun so any uh indication as to what his personality is gonna end up like oh he's uh, he's definitely like me he's like he's, he's he's at the tantrum stage now so he's he's getting some good old tantrums in which is uh you know it's nice to see them express themselves <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he's just yeah uh, like you can tell he's going to be, he's definitely going to be quite cheeky and he, he's like tantruming and then you do, then you, know, you pick him up and throw him and he just bursts into, bursts into laughter. And it's like, you, you've been at it the whole time. You're not even upset. Like, give me a break. I'm going to try that with James next time he tantrums. <laughs> um, just real quick. Also, before we get in, I, I want to talk poker for like 90 seconds. All right. What's going on with you poker wise? And I don't mean to be a dick, but you know, we're covering tons of big online tournaments and we haven't seen that much of you. Yeah, uh, I haven't been playing a lot. Um, a lot of it's because I don't. Uh, I haven't been. I just. I've been spending a lot of time with the wee man, to be honest. That's great. Um, yeah, which is fine. You know, I've been playing a little bit online the last few days and stuff. But it's like just with time constraints and also um, trying to play like a tournament session with, with a child in the house can be like really like I've tried that a few times and like if he's in the middle of a screaming fit or whatever, it's quite. It can be quite hard to concentrate and stuff. So. I bet. I've not been playing a lot of like super high stuff, and but I've just been kind of ticking over. Um, played a wee bit online and stuff, but not like the super like. I've not been blasting all the super high stuff and things like that because I've not been doing enough work to be keeping up with everyone, and I've not you know I'm just I don't want to be sitting playing like forty k worth of buy-ins when I've slept like two and a half hours the night before sure. and stuff like that. I was so, hoping that was the answer. I mean, that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is actually just a green screen. I'm actually out living in a cardboard box now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, but Joe does tell me, Neil, that you have found time to watch a lot of stuff. You are one of those people who claims to have finished Netflix. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of stuff because uh, I don't know if it's like a psychological thing, but the only time that we really get to ourselves is when the wee man goes to sleep. And for me, that's like, don't get me wrong, I love my bits, but I do enjoy the time when the house isn't <laughs> full of screaming as well. So it's like, I'm sitting at like 2 a.m. It's like, I could go to sleep, but when I wake up, the house will be full of screaming again. So I might just stay up another two hours and watch something out, like extend the period of time yeah. that it's quiet. Uh, so I have been watching kind of a lot of stuff. And I've been, I've been, I've read a lot of books, which is strange for me since high school. I don't think I've read books really. I've read a couple that, Sam Grafton gave me recommendations. Ah, uh, classic. But uh, apart from that, I don't think I've read, apart from Game of Thrones books, I don't think I've read anything really since high school. So I've been <laughs> doing that. Uh, I've become a bath aficionado. I have, nice. Like, I, have, I spend like an hour on the bath a day because, that, again, that's a quiet place where no one can penetrate. Um, it's kind of, It sounds like I'm in some kind of civil war in my house, and that's genuinely what it is like. I, look, Reading I, books by candlelight bathing for hours yeah no i i remember those days very well um but the great thing is it's just a phase neil and then there's another phase and then another phase and each one yeah. seems to bring its own challenges and complications um, yeah 
So the first thing I wanted to talk about, and Joe, towards the back end of last year, The Mandalorian was airing week to week. So I think we talked a lot about the Ahsoka Tano episode. We talked about the Boba Fett episode, but we didn't get to talk about the finale of Mandalorian season two. Neil, are you a Star Wars fan? or is Yeah, it I got to of... know the Star Wars background yeah. first. Yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Cool, cool, good. Because for me, and Joe, I think I texted you after watching it. For me, that finale to the second season of The Mandalorian is the best thing that Disney has I'm, done with the franchise. I'm getting chills. And it's better than any of the movies it. that they've churned out. Certainly any of the, 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 the sequel movies they've churned out. Agree. Neil? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I think that... The yeah the, the the series movies haven't been great. I didn't mind the the one off one they did with uh Rogue One was pretty cool. I yeah. like that one a lot. Yeah, the kind of like this like mini prequel to yeah. Episode Four or whatever. But uh, Rogue yeah, One is, is awesome. But it's funny because you did exactly the same thing that I did the other day. Yeah, there was the one that wasn't in the series. There were actually two, but we've all chosen to forget Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, okay, I went to see that in the cinema with uh. A few poker players, actually, as well. Because, I mean, I will literally, like, if you put Star Wars on it, I'll watch it. You know, I'm, I'm just a big ATM. We're all the same. We're all going to, you know? it's it's like an abusive parent. Like, you're just going <laughs> to give them as many second chances as as necessary. Every time they come to you with something new, you're going to go, all right, well, I'm still not over the last thing, but okay, I'll be there. I'll be there <laughs> on opening night with money. So whatever, yeah. whatever it takes. I remember we came out of the cinema and we all had the same kind of thing. I was like, if that didn't have Star Wars characters in it, that was one out of ten. But it's like a five because it had <laughs> I had had Solo or whatever. Yeah, it, you know, like immediately gains an extra couple of stars for yeah. the nature of of, of its uh, of what it's about. So yeah, I, I think my biggest takeaway from from this is you know there's obviously the big reveal at the end when that X-wing approaches and you know who's about to enter, and then of course part of me is like. Oh no, is this going to be another dodgy CGI recreation? Because I was kind of bothered by the CGI talking. It was kind of a dodgy CGI recreation. And I was really bothered by the dodgy CGI layer at the end of Rogue One. And this, again, wasn't perfect, but you know what? It was, it was just, they just about got away with it because it was such an emotional moment. And again, I do think there was a parallel with Rogue One because there's that phenomenal moment at the end of Rogue One, Vader in the corridor, right? And Luke Skywalker taking on the Dark Troopers almost echoed that, right? It was the most badass we've seen Luke be as a fully trained Jedi. Yeah, well, I mean, I think obviously we only see him in the, in the films like he's just come to be very powerful at that point and this is obviously him like grand master luke instead of like you know just jedi like he's like the most according to canon or Fre- whatever can- freshman jedi class now. luke yeah yeah so it's like he's, he's meant to be like the most powerful jedi that's ever lived and this is so you kind of get a glimpse into that because you don't get to see it really in the in the movies obviously yeah and one of the things I found is, you know, I did watch Star Wars Rebels. I haven't seen all of the Clone Wars, but I know so many people who, having watched The Mandalorian, are now saying, right, I need to watch these animated shows and absolutely love them and think that many of the animated shows are even better than some of the movies. And so much from the animated shows has made its way into The Mandalorian, and that's because of Dave Filoni's involvement. But stuff like characters like Ahsoka and Bo-Katan, the whole legend of the Darksaber grand admiral thrawn who clearly is going to appear in the ahsoka show so this is kind of opening up the universe to a lot of people and they're discovering all this stuff that pre-existed that maybe they ignored because it wasn't a movie or because it was animated and realize oh it's a cartoon 
Well, it's certainly better than the prequels, and maybe it's better than some of the later movies as well. Neil, I see you nodding. Have you seen those? Um, I've seen, I've watched, I think I'm like halfway through Clone Wars. I haven't watched Legends, but I've read about it and stuff, and I think, like, you know, there's a lot of time to fill at the moment. So I've read all the stuff where it's like some of the stuff isn't canon and stuff like that, and it's like... You know, it's when you're sitting on YouTube at like three in the morning and then you're like, oh, here's a video. on like, who would win a Jedi Royal Rumble? I'm like, all right. My God, man, you not really only you're reading it, but you're everything. replying to it. You're like, this is wrong. Here's all the mistakes you made. Um, here's my question about the Mandalorian finale for you guys. Mm. At what point did you start crying? <laughs> I think it was obviously I was very kind of emotionally on a high from Luke Skywalker's appearance, but it wasn't until the kind of the goodbye. It wasn't the let me take off my helmet and look on you with my own eyes moment that I was like, oh my God, you know, it's kind of like, and at that point I'm sort of thinking, is this the end of this show? Is that the end of the Mandalorian? I wondered the same thing. Because is, we is know the show over. We know Ahsoka's storyline continues. And is it a case of now some of the characters in the same timeline, like the Mandalorian, like Bo-Katan, do they now become characters in that show? Where does the Mandalorian go as its own standalone series? Yeah, it's kind of strange because, like, obviously it was so popular. And, you know, like, Disney, like many of us, really enjoy money. So it's (laughs) It, you know, it's, it seems like that would be a good reason to keep it going, but it did seem like the end of like, uh, obviously, like loose ends being like tied up and everything. It's, uh, yeah, I, um, I read, I had again watched some YouTube videos on like where people think it's going to go or whatever. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like any consuming any form of media is like 10x longer than the actual media itself. Like Neil Apple, Rabbit Hole Feral, yeah, man, will you have to watch. Just- <laughs> We have to watch like every little like theory video and stuff like that on it afterwards, so you're not getting the full 2021 media. I think on this trailer, I, I th- how it should have ended, yeah. everything that's wrong with it in 60 seconds. You know, it's it's just. I think that we need to sort of re-examine how we look at what's a TV show, right? We call this a TV show because it was 20 parts long or whatever. It's a movie. It's a long movie, and you wouldn't at the end of a movie go. Is this the end of the movie? You would say, yes, this is the end of the movie. And now we may see these characters again in a sequel, a.k.a. a different TV series. Yeah. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they, they did leave some stuff open, like the Darksaber stuff. And yeah, things exactly. Like that. so I think that'll be what they'll focus on. It's like the, the um, Mandalore, well, new Mandalore yeah, exactly. stuff and things like that. Yeah. I would imagine. Um. I want to move on because there's another TV series on Disney Plus that we need to discuss, albeit in its relative infancy. And also, I want to deal with another positive before we start getting in to the negatives. And I do honestly prefer praising rather than criticizing, but there's a couple of things on the agenda which it's impossible to have positive words to say about. Um, But WandaVision. Now, this is the first live-action Marvel TV show, and I guess... Everyone's now realizing this is the way to go with your IP because HBO Max is now developing a Harry Potter TV series. Um, I did not know what to expect of this based on the trailers and based on the kind of concepts that came out. And they released the first two episodes together. And I thought it was bloody wonderful. And I am fully on board with this. Wait, so have you only watched the first two? No, I've since watched episodes three and four. And I think that's where we're at. 
in real time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode five comes out this coming Friday. Um, so there's a chance that people will have seen episode five by the time they hear this podcast. But yeah, we've only seen, I guess, half of the story so far. But I'm, I'm going to hop in. I, I yeah. love the first one. And I thought even as a sitcom, it worked really well. I thought it was genuinely funny. Um, the little hints that there was more to it than that. I liked all that. By the second episode, I was starting to get tired of it already. Um, and think- by the third episode, I was over it. I was like, get on with it. Like, whatever's going to happen, please make it happen soon. I I'm, think I'm, they did I'm just about the right amount, though, but until you get that fourth episode, which is kind of like reveals what's going on here, or at least answers some Starts of your questions. Yeah. I did feel that the episodes were distinct enough because of the change, albeit subtly, between one and two of decade. The fact that we had the 50s, the 60s, and then we went into the 70s with episode three. And with each one, you're just seeing more things that suggest, okay, A, something's not right, but also that realization that, oh my God, she's controlling this. She can rewind it. She can make characters disappear. So is this something that she's constructed herself? Is this her escape from reality because she can't deal with the fact that, as we know, spoiler alert, Vision is dead? What's your take on it, Neil? Yeah, um, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm, I'm, again, quite a big MCU fanboy as well, but then it... um, I was kind of intrigued like everyone else to see because it's obviously, you know, first episode, it's like a black and white sitcom and stuff and kind of strange. But I do kind of like the viewing of experience of when you're watching something, you're like kind of doing detective work while you're watching it, when you're trying to spot for clues. Like, I think that's like really interesting and quite fun. Um, And I think like, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are just like, they, even if it's like, maybe not that if it's, if their uh, like charisma can bring through like stuff that maybe Elizabeth Olsen acts the shit out of this show. She well, is unreal good on this. Show. I think what it highlights, and, and to echo your point, Neil, and I think this is why it's good that they've been given their own show. In all of the movies, those two characters and their relationship was very much in the background, from Civil War to Infinity War, and now we're actually they are center stage and they can carry it because they're both interesting characters and they're played by two very good actors. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Um, and yeah, I'd be, I, I genuinely, I wasn't sure what to expect. And then I watched the first two episodes and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and it's like, I normally I'm a, I, I let the show play out and then I binge it. I can't, I'm not a week by week vibe. Yeah. A few of my friends were like, I was like, I'm going to watch it. And now it's just like, just waiting for every week for the next episode, you know? So I like the theory, obviously, that you've come up with, James. We in this household came up with the same thing. The only thing I don't like about it is if that's all it is and there's no villain, that's kind of boring. But I think what episode four shows you is there is more to it, right? Because this town does actually exist. The physical space does actually exist. How she's controlling it and what she's done with it remain a question mark. But the other clever thing I thought about the third episode, uh, sorry, episode four, and this could be so annoying, right? When you start bringing in other characters from the MCU, but the fact that you've got the Rambo family from Captain Marvel, the fact that you've got the FBI guy from Ant-Man and the fact that you've got Darcy from the Thor movies, it somehow worked. It was enough to bring it into the universe without being too kind of lame. And that's a tough balance to strike. Yeah. They've done it a bit heavy handed sometimes where they just fucking put Iron Man in, you know, like, Oh, it's in the universe. There's Iron Man. Like, 
What have you guys yeah. saw, but Elizabeth Olsen yesterday was in the news for saying that they're going to have a cameo on par with Luke Skywalker um, by the end of the WandaVision season. I, I still think there needs to be some kind of villain. And where I think it might come is those commercials for Hydra. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like that's her trying to give them signs that maybe uh, there is some sort of sinister thing at play there as well. I think that it's weird that they didn't notice that Kat Dennings, whatever the, her scientist character is called, hasn't been like, hey, why is there a commercial for Hydra products? Because I don't think Hydra actually existed as a as a company, right? No. Um, and here's In that my, And here's my, my next question. And, you know, there were God knows how many movies, and even though I've seen them twice, I don't remember every detail. At the end of Infinity War, Vision dies, right? Because Thanos takes the stone out of his head, and he's dead. Yes. At the point of the snap, is Wanda one of the characters who disintegrated? Yes. I think so, yeah. Right. I seem to remember her floating. Right, so she comes back for Endgame when Hulk brings everyone back. And obviously what we saw at the start of episode four is the moment when everyone came back. So clearly Wanda has come back and maybe she's not processing it particularly well, or maybe she's trapped in some kind of like alternate dimension. Yeah. It's kind of strange. Like, 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 uh, like Sib says, it's like it, you're right. Like if there's not like a specific, cause obviously there's just usual sale of like, you know, there's, here's the bad guy. We must defeat the bad guy kind of thing. Whereas this is more a kind of if the, the way if it goes the way I think, which I think is it's like obviously a mind construct of of uh, Wanda, um, it's more of a kind of like Jean Grey parallel almost from X Men, yes. like a dark Phoenix saving her of, from herself kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, like she's like and she's dragged a lot of these people into it as well who are now in danger or possibly not. I don't know exactly, but it can be a good situation what they're in. Um, but yeah, like. I kind of thought at the start it was going to be she'd been like put under some kind of mind control or something, but now it looks yeah. like it, I think think it's going to go the way that it is her not coping with grief and stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, really interested to see exactly where it goes. Yeah, we're, we're, we're basically right now making one of those videos, right? With a bunch of nerds posting their own <laughs> yeah. theories about what a TV show is. Um, okay, we can all agree that the MCU is amazing, and we a can probably all agree that the um, the DC multiverse is a dumpster fire. And for me, the only good thing about it was the original Wonder Woman, which I thought was a decent movie. Love and it. I was pleased they were making a sequel. And when that sequel started, and just to be clear, this is a film which came out just before Christmas, streaming on HBO Max in the States, and it opened in cinemas in the UK on the day that most cinemas in the UK were forced to close because of lockdown and then was released as a premium VOD a couple of weeks later. And that's how we were able to see it. But the opening scene, which is kind of a flashback to her on the island full of powerful women, was like, okay, this looks like it's going to be good. And then we're in 1984. And guess what? 1984 is in the title of the movie. So the audience knows when it's set. But this film goes out of its way to telegraph the fact that we're in 1984 with loads of things that... They might as well have just had a giant sign in the shopping mall that said, hey, everyone, it's 1984. This movie, after that pre-credit scene, if you like, immediately tells you this is going to be shit. Because tonally, it's like the pre-credit sequence from Superman 3, trying to be funny, failing. It's kind of like 
violent while also trying to be jokey. Every performance falls flat. Every line of dialogue is atrocious. And it's like, was this really made by the same person who made the first movie that had these really kind of dark first world war setting? And now it's like, hey, because we're in the 80s, it's going to be screwball. And it just goes downhill from there. Sorry, I absolutely hated this movie. I'll let Neil go next. I'll, I'll, I'll close this one out. Uh, you, you can go. I got 15 minutes through it and turned it off. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I'm jealous because you saved two hours and 15 minutes of your life. I actually checked how long it was as well. And if it was like an hour and 20 minutes, I probably would have stuck it out. And then I saw it was so long. I was like, nah, man. I, I think that's totally fair. Look, I don't talk shit about movies that much anymore, especially on Twitter or Facebook, because I like being in the entertainment industry. I don't like tearing down the work of others. Um, I, I just, you know, especially if someone I knew who worked on it ever saw it, or especially if it hurt me in the end, right, to talk shit about something. I feel a little safer doing it on the podcast. Wonder Woman was impossibly bad. Like, I don't know how you could have made a movie this bad. That's a great description, Joe, because I literally don't understand how a movie with the talent behind it, with the money behind it, is can be this awful. Even Pedro Pascal, throwback to The Mandalorian, is terrible in this film. None of it. It doesn't work on an emotional level. It doesn't work on a logical level. It's very. It doesn't work on the comedy level. Like they bring back Chris Pine, and there's supposed to be all this comedy about him. You know, basically like the caveman thing, like waking up in the future, but that future is still our past. But but so it's like not even Joe. He comes back. Interesting. He comes back, or his soul comes back in someone else's body with absolutely no consideration. And Gal Gadot has sex with him. But there is no in question another person's body, which is kind about of what's happened to the other guy. What happens to the person whose body he's inhabiting? Is he kind of on hold somewhere? Is he in a cardboard box? Is he dead? No one seems to give a shit. <laughs> there's there's absolutely no logic to how this wishing stone works. Oh my god! Which, by the way, the, the whole thing is a ripoff of the monkey's paw, which has been done brilliantly so many other times. Why would you tackle this particular subject? Yeah. This actually it, sounds great. I might go back and watch it. No. I mean, the, the, the best thing I would say for it is that I we watched it on Christmas Day. It was me, my girlfriend, her sister, and my roommate, right? And it's very hard to get everybody to shut the fuck up and watch a movie. And at least during this movie, I didn't care that everyone talked over it because it was horrible. And Neil, all I would say is it's not one of those movies that's so bad it's entertaining, a la Showgirls. It's so yeah. bad that it is... And it's so boring. There is n- oh, okay. every scene is over long. And just to give you one example, and this in microcosm tells you everything that's wrong with the movie. They need to get to Egypt in a hurry for reasons that aren't worth going into. So Wonder <laughs> Woman and, and, and Steve steal a plane. At which point Wonder Woman's like, oh yeah. Sorry, it- hold on. They steal the plane from us from the Smithsonian, which apparently has fully fueled jet planes of course hanging it does. out in. Of course it does. And of course, because he was able to fly fighter planes in World War One, Steve Trevor absolutely knows his way around a modern fighter jet. At the, that point, Wonder Woman's like, oh no, I forget, we're in 1984. They have radar. They're going to be able to track us. But now she remembers a special power she has. Throwback to the Linda Carter TV series in the comics, Invisible Plane Alert. She makes the plane disappear. And then we have a scene 
which goes on for about 10 minutes, or it certainly feels like 10 minutes, where we see them flying in the clouds in this invisible plane. And there's a fireworks display. Now we're flying over Washington. Now we're flying over the ocean. More fireworks, more clouds. It's like, what the fuck is happening? We've all been on planes before. We don't need this. This. Oh, and then, and then later in the movie, she can just fly by herself. She doesn't even yeah. need a plane. Yeah, That's, I was going to say, I'm not a big DC guy, but can't Wonder Woman fly? <laughs> no. This Wonder Woman's not even sure she can fly. We're not sure if she's whiplassing or just flying or jumping. It's all three. It's a this fucking is, this is This is also rare in the pattern of superhero movies. The normal pattern is the first one can be really, really good. The second one is either a minor downgrade or in some cases is even better than the original. And it's the threequel. It's the part three that's always the problem child. Nope. This decided to bypass one and two and went straight for four. <laughs> this is Superman quest for peace bad in terms of quality. And I have no problem, by the way. I used to get paid to do this. I used to be a professional film critic. I have no problem criticizing movies that are just flat duds. And look... I love what Patty Jenkins did with the first Wonder Woman movie. I hope what she does with Star Wars is akin to that and not anything like this tonally messy, confusingly plotted, appallingly executed sequel. Um, And unfortunately, and I can't believe I'm going to slag off a Disney Pixar movie because I love Disney Pixar. I didn't like Soul. Did you, Neil, are you in on Soul or no? Didn't see it. <laughs> okay, great. We're, we're going to do this quick, and maybe maybe we have time to get to the game. Maybe not. James, you know that I, Pixar is very hit or miss for me. Yeah. I, this was mostly a miss for me, but I didn't hate it. I did not. Uh, hate it would be too strong a term. I think the problem is I went into this, well, streamed it, without knowing anything about it, and... I was actually looking forward to the story of Jamie Foxx's character and being torn between wanting to be a musician in a jazz club and be a music teacher. And then it basically, he, spoiler alert, dies before the credits. And then we're into some kind of like fucking inside out type world of where souls inhabit and a generation like, you've done this, not again. (laughs) And they did it better before and I didn't like it the first time. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I know I, you liked it the first time. I did I like Inside even, Out. I don't think yeah. Inside Out is one of the best Disney Pixar movies, but I liked it because I felt it had an air of originality, and in places it was quite good fun. This just felt like a poor carbon copy of what they did with Inside Out, and I was angry with this movie because I just wanted to follow the story of this guy and whether he was going to be an inspirational music teacher, whether he was actually going to live out his dream of being a jazz musician, and instead I just got, you know, this parallel world I, again overcomplicated and the annoying character and again i like tina fey but i didn't like the character she was playing in this and then it was like wonder woman 1984 someone no inhabiting sense. someone else's body only yeah, somehow this was even less good than that it was it was a body switching movie and disguised as a pixar film I, I didn't yeah i didn't hate it but i didn't really like it i i did care about the character the jamie fox character uh, by the end, but all the parts that happened in heaven or whatever that was, I hated. Um, Joe, if you want to finish on a positive, I'm happy for you to talk about Tenet. I don't know if it is a positive because I haven't seen it. Neil, have you seen Tenet? Yeah, I watched it last okay. night, actually. Great. Then let's talk Tenet. We'll skip the game. We'll talk Tenet really quick. I'll, I'll keep this brief. I don't understand what the Tenet hates about. I fucking loved it. I thought it was 
It was like not quite as good as Inception, but had that very exciting, I don't really know what's going on, but it's incredibly well done, and I can get past the things about it that don't make sense to me because it's a fucking kick-ass movie. <laughs> Neil? Um, yeah, I went through stages with it, to be honest. While I was watching it, um, I was like, this is okay. This is like decent, but it's not not amazing. And then once I finished it, I was like, okay, that was actually pretty good. And then once I digested three hours of YouTube explaining what the fuck happened, <laughs> I was like, that was sick. Let's watch that again. It, it was really sick. I, I thought it was fucking sick. And people, I, the people who trash it, don't give the Nolans enough credit for trying something. Like, it takes a lot of work to make that movie. Like, that is a movie that you have to really aim super high. And maybe they didn't quite get there, but they came fucking close at worst. Yeah, I, I, it's like kind of genre. I'm like, I quite like that kind of time travel, like dystopian kind of future, whatever stuff. So it's it's always it's going to be tough to make a movie in that kind of area that I, I don't like as much. The the reason I didn't when I was watching, I thought it was just okay, is because it obviously because of the 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 whole mechanism of the movie being the 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 loopy time travel. It was very plot driven rather than character driven. So I didn't find That's myself true. really caring about the protagonist. I took like yeah, I was just like okay, so this is the good guy because here he is. Like he, there's nothing. There's, there's no like why is his, he doing his this name power? is literally protagonist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think with the movie that is generally like the whole concept is this kind like the the plot of the the, the time travel that you kind like I can understand why that happened. But uh, and then but, like once I got to the end, and also you're not quite sure what's going on with him. But then once you get to the end, it's like okay, yeah, okay, now that makes sense now and then when you look deeper into it, you're like, all oh, right, okay, well, and then it's like, you know, but I think it's like what a, a good example of modern. Another chills twist ending here. Like okay. thinking about the ending, I'm getting chills again. Well, I tell you what, yeah. it's, it, I, it, having listened to you two talk about it, now I really, really want to see it. And I do like Christopher Nolan movies. I wasn't big on Dunkirk, um, but the rest of his no. output, and look, I think both Interstellar and Inception are absolute masterpieces. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Um, here's the thing. Neil, it's been awesome catching up. Um, I yeah, really hope that WandaVision turns out to be as good as we think it's going to be by the end. And it also does give me high hopes for the other Marvel shows that Disney's got in production, like Falcon the Winter Soldier and, 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 and Loki. Be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, we won't leave it five years till next time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> sounds, good. sounds good. Yeah, I mean, God, it's what... Five years and five years in lockdown in Scotland, you know, you might be you might be lucky <laughs> to catch me. Well <laughs> hopefully there'll be live poker before then and hopefully we'll yeah. see you back on the circuit soon. But for now, thank you very much. And uh, as we bid farewell to Mr. Farrell, we serve salutations to this week's superfan. Lisa Scott Gordon, welcome to Poker in the Ears. Well thank you very much. Hey Lisa, what's up? How you doing? I'm probably doing better than you if you're up at 7 a.m. <laughs> now, you know, look, not, I mean, I don't want to guess at how old you are, but the older I get, the less of a problem it is being up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Being up and working is a different story, but being up, not really that odd of a yeah. thing for me. I see it's the opposite, and um, I'm ancient because I was I wasn't there in the 70s for the the scene I was telling you about pre-broadcast, but um, yeah, I was there for the uh, Mondays at midnight at the Central with Chucky Weiss and the Goddamn Liars. And the I thought, heyday of Los Angeles, Lisa oh, was telling me that she was there back. 
back before, <laughs> back when you could still have fun. Exactly. You could have fun. And um, it was, and the way that Johnny Depp ended up buying the central, uh, you know, and turning it into the, the Viper room, his um, he came in there um, somewhat intoxicated, perhaps, on a Monday night and saw Chucky and the, and the boys and just went, okay, I'm buying the place. Nice. And bless him. He cut Chucky in on it too. That's how, how Chucky still lives. But he was my neighbor on Argyle, right, right behind me. So, and I gave him the, the key so Lisa, the are, you, are you an American person or did yeah, you just live in America on? for I a while? I am an American person. I, I met my husband at uh, Cannes Film Festival. I couldn't buy his film because it was banned in the UK and I was only buying UK territorial rights. It was the job I had. And uh, was his film the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Close. No, it was, it was actually a doc um, about the inquest, you know, that happened 10 years later into the death of Princess Diana. Ah. Um, so what is it that has taken you all over the world uh, to Los Angeles and Cannes and London? And New York in between. Um, well, I'm a writer and um, I used to ride with outlaw bikers. And so that's a sense of natural curiosity, shall we say. Okay, fair enough. And here I you are, completing the circle. And completing the circle, I'm in Lewis. I was going to say, you're now in the home counties, right? I mean, you couldn't get further from the well, LA party scene. This is true. This is true. And I used to dance at Cinematic every Saturday night, and now here I am picking up dog poo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Life and comes at you fast. the dog while I'm at it. Good girl. Okay, well, Lisa, I'm going to accentuate the positive, because by living in Sussex, that means you can actually play online poker on PokerStars, and I believe that you recently had a second-place finish in an MTT on Stars. I really should have been first. It was a, a gazillion to one chip count at the end. And I don't know. I saw that he or she was from Thailand. And, and I thought, oh, God, they're really poor. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> <What a liar. laughs> I just blew it. It I, was I definitely some Brit who moved to Thailand for like a better MTT <laughs> yeah, schedule <laughs> and just worked you heads up. <laughs> They did, they did, but you know, mostly I'm kind of a you know the biggest fish on there. But um, and I had a fourth place finish um, in something recently as well. And I won a um, uh, it, it was a, a multiplier on the spin and go. The, oh, nice. Yeah, it went up. It was a it was a twenty five quid or twenty five dollar one, and it went to um, six twenty five. And they divide it up a little bit, don't they? You don't get the whole six twenty five. But I was well pleased. Nice, indeed. Well, as yes, you know, we're going to give you the chance to win a, a Sunday Million ticket, which is worth one hundred nine dollars in addition I like your to. Chances. And I'll be on the first level. <laughs> well, no. Hey, you never know. That's the great thing, as we've witnessed with our Sunday Million streams. Variance is a major factor when it comes to fast-structured yeah, multi-table tournaments. Absolutely, now, absolutely. Joe likes your chances because clearly as a writer, you are someone who enjoys literature. You clearly enjoy the works of Jane Austen. And you proposed yep. persuasion as your specialist subject. And what I love is the concession you were willing to make is that we would go for an actual screen adaptation of the book. So we and, went and for no the, comparisons. We yes. went for the 2007 adaptation now i don't know joe whether you had a chance to see it obviously i tasked patrick with the quiz and lisa patrick now hates you because he absolutely despised this film 
Um, here, here's the good news and bad news. The, the, yeah. um, they're both kind of the same. I, I just heard about what this was at the beginning of the show. Ah. I, for some reason, did not was not um, it, probably my fault. But <laughs> no, it's mine. I, it's it's going to be a lot of uh, multiple choice guessing here. I did not watch the movie. Long story short, that's okay. And but, it's not. It, to be honest, it is not the most faithful adaptation. There's a lot of differences. And okay. Almost all of her social satire is lost, and she is oh. truly a, a premier social satire. Well, I'm mostly in it for the social Okay, I, I, and I don't want to get into this too much, but but Lisa, isn't that the case with all screen adaptations of Jane Austen's work? That unless you have a narrator, you're going, going to lose what you gain from the actual prose. This is true. Although Emma Thompson did an excellent job with Sense and Sensibility, she and and Ang Lee, you know, caught the visuals quite yeah. well, but. Yeah, it's it's um, it's difficult, and and I and one of the reasons I was in LA just to backtrack a little bit is I went to UCLA UCLA Film School for um, a master's in screenwriting, and adaptations were my speciality. I had okay. to, I got oh, wow. a lot of work from that. So really, cool. it's difficult. It's, it's impossible unless indeed you have a voiceover. Yeah. Okay. We might have to have Lisa back on as a guest guest and find out <laughs> more about this shit. Well, you know the format. Ten questions, multiple I choice stories, options. Yes. Uh, Joe will no doubt be taking the option every single time. I think whether it's by guesswork, Joe, or because of your memory of one of your favorite books that I'm sure you've read many times, your ambition here is to not put up an egg. Your ambition here is to get at least right. one point. Uh, but Lisa, as our guest, as our super fan, you get to go first. So please give me a number between one and ten. Uh, eight. Question number eight. No what way. naval rank is Frederick Wentworth? He is a captain. He is indeed a captain, and that will get you two points. I would have got that. I would have got two points on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe you. Thousands wouldn't. Joseph, any number other than eight? Uh, give me number two, please. Question number two. What age was Anne when she first fell in love with Frederick. I'll take the choices on this one. Was Anne 23, 21, 17, or 19? My gut said 19 when uh, without the choices, so I'm going to go with 19. No, 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 19 is the correct answer, and it's 2-1 after the first round. I just needed to hear the choices in case it was like 58, 75. <laughs> She's a young lady. Well, she was. She was. Uh, she and her sister were all maids at twenty-seven and twenty-nine. Exactly. In the book. Okay, so two and eight have gone. You can have any other question, Lisa. Lucky seven. Always coming seven. What does oh, Louisa Musgrove? Sorry, how does Louisa Musgrove injure herself? She falls off the. Oh, and it's not a cliff. It's the thing at Lyme that she's. She keeps having Captain Wentworth jump her down, and he misses her. It's it's the, it's the rock staircase. That's right. Two points for Lisa. A fall. Well, except a fall. <laughs> a fall. To be fair, they, fall were all, they were all falls in the options. There was falling in a river, oh, falling out of a window. <laughs> I think my favourite, she falls in front of a car. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate <laughs> that one. Joseph. Uh, question three, please. Question number three. What does Frederick give to Anne for her wedding present at the end of the story? I'll take the choices. 
Is it a diamond necklace, a house, concert tickets, or a horse and carriage? A house. It is a house, and that means you've got one you- point. Two and points. it's not that way in the novel, because it couldn't be. that the, the entailment had to happen to a male line anyway, within the... The Baronetage. Lisa, you're not going to get any bonus points, so stop showing off. Um, <laughs> fucking kiss off. ass. Just to be clear, Joe, you got a point <laughs> for that question. Yes, you're right. Two points in total, yeah. which means you're still losing. Uh, Lisa, one, four, five, six, nine, or ten? Ten. Question ten. Who plays Anne? Oh, blimey. Oh, I knew he'd ask an actor question. I don't pay attention to the actors. I shall need the choices. It's because Patrick learned from the best. Is and played by Amanda Hale, Alice Krieg, Julia Davis, or Sally Hawkins? Sally Hawkins. It is Sally Hawkins for a point. The score is 5-2. Joe, you are actually 100% on your questions so far. Yeah. Albeit with the multiple choice options. Let's go for three in a row, shall we? Which number would you like? Number one, please. The full name of Anne's father. First name and last name, please. I will take the choices. Is it Walter Elliot, William Elliot, William Musgrove, or Gordon Elliot? Choice B, please. William Elliot? Yes. No, that's a poker player. It's Walter Elliot (laughs) is the answer. (laughs) Uh, Four, five, six, or nine, Lisa? Nine, please. Question number nine. Which UK city do the Elliots relocate to in order to save some money? Bath. They do indeed go to Bath. And that will give you two points. A total (laughs) score of seven. Joe, four, five, or six? You know, the reason why I have no memory is because I drank the water in Bath. Four, please. (laughs) Who plays Frederick Wentworth? I'll take the choices. Is it Rupert Penry Jones, Peter Wright, Anthony Head, or Sam Hazeldean? Let's let's go with. Hold on. In two thousand seven, Anthony Head would have been in Buffy the Vampire Slayer still, so maybe not him. Can I eliminate one that way? That's the only name I recognize. I'm I'm just gonna say Anthony Head. No, it was actually Rupert Penry Jones. I love the fact that for an American, Anthony Head is famous for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, whereas in the UK, he will always be synonymous with coffee commercials. Uh, five or six. Wait, which one's more that's embarrassing? What, that's what my husband said. That's what John said. Uh, five or six, Joe. Sorry, Lisa, your final question, five or six. Five. Question five. It's about the novel rather than the TV adaptation. What year was Persuasion first published? 18, uh, no, you know what? Multiple choice. Okay, well, I think we can eliminate the first two because they're the wrong century. 1777-1797. So really, it's a coin flip. Was it first published in 1817 or 1827? 1817. Correct, for a point. And Joe, your question is question six. What's the name of Anne's godmother? I'll take the choices, please. Is it Lady Brand, Lady Howard, Lady Crow, or Lady Russell? Russell and Crow, huh? Hmm. Interesting <laughs> choices there. <laughs> Lady Howard. What's the first one? Lady... Brand, Howard, Crow, or Russell? 
Lady Russell. It was Lady Russell. So, Joe, you did well actually get done. a total of three points. Just out of interest, Joe, how would you have fared with the bonus question? Okay. If Jane Austen were alive today, how old would she be? Two hundred and twenty-three. I was going to say not bad, but considering we gave you one of the dates that her books was published, no, two two hundred and forty-five. Ah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, she didn't ever made it. And Joe, did you know that um, Lady Russell also was the Borg Queen, Alice Creek Bo- from Star Trek? Yeah. Oh, How about that? I did not know that. There you go. Now you've piqued his interest. We've moved on to Star Trek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the final score, Lisa, eight points. Joe, three points. Congratulations, Lisa. You are a winner. We will give you the Sunday Million ticket. We will give you a Poker in the Ears t-shirt. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Thank you for volunteering to come on the show. Very good. And can I show you one more thing before you sign off? Sure. Yes. And, okay. Um, oh. I'm going to show you two views of it. This is uh, going, the, this the, is the inside of my nose. We're, we're sorkening this. Okay. This is from the kitchen. Wow. Oh, wow. That's a castle. That is a castle. And then we're going to make oh, a shit. little trip. Don't look at. Uh, don't look down because I haven't hoovered in about, I don't know, since the virus started. Okay. Here we go. Apologies, by the way, to anyone who's listening to the show rather no, than watching awesome. it. this is awesome. Yeah. Hold on. We're going through Lisa's house. I mean, I'm not even sure what angle we're looking at anymore. Is that a, is that a ceiling or a roof? This is like a this is like an English tutor. I think we've walked onto yep. the set of a Discovery of Witches. Yeah, this got, this is the castle, castle, from castle from the guest room, which okay, you'll stay this... in. Here's the guest room. So you guys will stay here. Oh, I see. Well, I'm sure Joe would love to when he's next <laughs> in England. I'm going to volunteer him for that task. I've done I've done less crazy things. More crazy things, I should say. Excuse me. Okay. I'm not above stay- staying with listeners. Okay, so basically, just to summarize, listeners to the audio version of this podcast have no idea and are kind of imagining something out of Game of Thrones right now. And people who are watching the show have vertigo. Um, thank you, Lisa, for taking us on that tour of your home. Thanks for coming on the show. And congratulations yes. once again. Bye, Lisa. Good talking to you. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, I am taking, there is no next week's show, because I am taking a few weeks off to go to rehab. Yeah, so Uh, a few things are going to continue as normal. The Monday night streams will continue, and I think Nick Walsh has very kindly agreed to step in, and I'll be working with him on Monday nights. Uh, But yeah, the podcast will not be back until the 25th of February, so Joe will be on the Sunday Million stream on Monday and then he will magically disappear. And hopefully, you know, have to put a couple of caveats in there. Hopefully everything goes well and it is just two weeks, Joe, and we're back that last week of Feb. And remember, do not wish me well. I don't want to hear from any of you in the meantime. Okay? Yeah. Uh, By the way, I have kind of committed you to something new. So hopefully it is just a two-week hiatus. Yeah. Not just the Sunday Million streams, guys. On Thursdays, moving forward, from the end of February, we did say when we did EPT Retro that there was likely to be Poker Stars Retro, where we looked at 
the Asia-Pacific poker tour, the Latin American poker tour, the North American poker tour. It is going to be a thing from the end of this month. Looks like we're going to be starting those streams on Thursday afternoons. So stay across the socials for details. Cool. So we got podcasts coming back end of Feb. We got Poker Stars Retro coming back or starting as it were. And I think uh, our first guest when we come back on the podcast, Giraffe Ganger is coming back, but this time as a super fan? Yeah, not a guest. He's going to be appearing in Superfan versus Stapes because he stepped up to the plate when no one else would. And yes, I'm talking to the rest of you. And he volunteered <laughs> to take part in an impossibly difficult Godfather parts one and two quiz. And that will be our first Supervan quiz when we come back from this two-week hiatus. And also, we're going to track down what Lance Bradley described as the worst poker movie ever made. Lance is going to be on the show, and we are going to talk about Danny's game. Yeah. It, it already sounds bad. It just... I mean, its score on IMDb is almost in minus digits. So that one is still a few weeks off, Joe. So your priority okay. is Godfather 1 and 2. And then we've got a couple of weeks for Danny's game. But it's worth pointing out that we will need a super fan for that week. Because one of you is going to have to volunteer to watch what is apparently a god-awful film and answer questions about it. And the bait, the carrot that I will dangle, is we will give away a Sunday Million Anniversary ticket. That's wow. a $215 ticket for the $12.5 million guaranteed Sunday wow. Million 15th anniversary event. That will be the prize if you agree to watch Danny's game and go up against Joe in that week's Superfan Quiz. Fantastic. So a couple weeks off, lots of fun stuff coming up after that. In the meantime, comment, like, subscribe, get your Superfan applications in, as James just mentioned, using the hashtag poker in the ears. But for now... For a little while, until I am back, and better than ever, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>